0: Supply chains continue to be stalled and disrupted. China continues to struggle with this no COVID, zero COVID policy. If that continues and that continues to put pressure on supply chains globally, I think you are going to see some inflationary pressures persist for longer than necessarily maybe we initially thought.
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Central banks are laser-focused on tackling inflation, but even with their aggressive approach, could it persist longer than markets are expecting? In today's episode, Portfolio Managers Matt Montemuro, Chris Heeks, and your host, Mark Rays discuss inflation-linked ETF strategies, as well as U.S. equities and banks, energy, and the portfolio construction and performance of ZBI, BMO's Canadian Bank Income Index ETF. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca.
2: Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Race, head of product of BMO Global Asset Management. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen in. We really appreciate it. We are joined today by two of our portfolio managers, Matt Montemuro and Chris Heath. So thanks to both of you for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Let's get right into things here. We have the flow numbers that have come in from last month, from May, and definitely notice that we saw a significant shift towards U.S. equities. From your conversations with advisors, what is driving this rotation? Is there a relative performance thought or some other trigger in the marketplace? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I don't think there was a definitive trigger but I think investors were very much welcome the green on the screens of the past couple of weeks. So, you know, I think overall advisors are looking at the market. You know, I think, I think investors are trying to get, you know, more confidence about the market. Uh, there's no substitute like positive price action in my opinion for confidence. So that's good to see. Speaking of flows, we, we have been seeing decent equity flows really the, the past couple of months, as well as fixed income flows for that matter. You know, I think that kind of highlights the importance of staying invested it's kind of one of those, you know, mama never said it was going to be easy. And I think that applies to investing right now in the equity markets. So much uncertainty. Uh, but we are seeing investors stay in, uh, you know, putting cash to work to stay invested. Uh, like you said, saw saw some uh, an uptick in U.S. flows. You know, I think we all have kind of our eye on when that, you know, NASDAQ or growth trade may, may bounce back. But, you know, overall, we saw decent equity flows across the board. Um, International equities actually had decent flows in the Canadian ETF space, which I think is interesting. You know, I think there is a little bit of talk about about a bottom in in, on the EFI side. You know, and obviously we know there's a lot of troubles over there, but, you know, there's been flows there and there's been flows to Canada that have continued as well. Um, The Canadian market is performing really exceptionally well relative to international peers As we know we'll talk about energy remains strong canadian banks are just coming off very respectable earnings still very good valuation um, in canadian relative to the us so i think overall it just speaks to there's continuing you know money is getting put to work there's a lot of uncertainty um generally speaking uncertainty does tend to create return for investors you know who are willing to bear with the uncertainty you know and i think it speaks to um you know, a lot of advisors are, are and clients are putting money to work. You know, the importance of staying balanced, I think, is, is very important. And, you know, just to go off, not to go on a side tangent, but there are ways to, put, to address the market, like with a dividends or cover call or low ball approach where you can mitigate some of the volatility. So, you know, overall, it is nice to see, you know, uh, you know investors continue to put money to work. And I think that'll help, um, you know, the overall outcome of the market. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And certainly, as you say, I think investors will start to pick up some confidence again if we can we can string together more positive days. So, seeing a bit of a shift on, on that front. So, that may be leading to some of the flow activity. Sticking with equities, advisors have asked for an update on energy. Of course, we're seeing WTI uh, pushing through or maybe holding around $120 a barrel. Using ZEO and considering inflation and other things going on in the market, how are we positioning energy in advisor portfolios right now? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, inflation and, uh, you know, rising interest rates and certainly supply chain disruptions with, with geopolitics, you know, geopolitical conflict, all obviously, you know, accretive for energy. You know, energy is really a major part of the positive component of the Canadian equity market. So. You know, whether, whether it goes accretively higher than 120, you know, it's, it's hard to say. You know, there, 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 there may be a point where there's a little demand destruction as oil prices would get, you know, significantly higher. You look at the futures curve, it's kind of pricing in 90 to 100 over the, over the next year. But that being said, you know, the companies are, are very, uh, you know, exceptionally profitable, you know, with at oil, at oil at these levels. And, and, you know, they can, you know, dividends, dividends growth. I think could be a continued theme that we're gonna see out of out of energy companies, you know, as they benefit from this strong commodity price environment. My view is it's it's kind of a market weight environment. And when I say market weight energy, you know, I kind of recognize that most investors hold, you know, more 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 Canadian equity exposure than call it the MSCI world. And I think that puts you around 10% of your overall portfolio, you know, into energy, whether it's 10 to 15. You know, personally, I think that's that's a pretty pretty reasonable place to be, you know. And and speaking of ZEO, you know, it's it's a it's a great satellite tool if you need to adjust. So you know, um, say that say that energy exposure is not quite, you know, where where you may want it to be. You can use uh, these sectors uh, as adjustment tools to to finely tune uh, the energy exposure in your portfolio. And and overall, I think that's you know one of the big benefits of ETFs is we have these tools that can really precisely dial and get your, you know, exact exposure you want, whether it's on the equity or fixed income side. So overall, I think we're still pretty bullish on energy. Uh, you know, I think it's an important part of portfolios right now as we deal with higher commodity prices, with inflation. So you know, I think certainly it warrants a market-weight approach, if not a bit more.
1: Great. Thanks for that, Chris. Are your clients looking for enhanced yield and protection against volatility? Check out BMO GAM's monthly Covered Calls Derivatives and Volatility Landscape Report, which features the latest performance numbers from BMO's suite of Covered Call and Enhanced Yield ETF solutions, including the BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF ticker ZWB and the BMO Covered Call U.S. Banks ETF ticker ZWK. Access the report today at bmoetfs.ca. And
2: let's focus in a little bit more on inflation on the fixed income side. Can you provide an update on ZRR and ZTIP, our Canadian and U.S. uh, inflation-linked products, and differentiate how would you use the two different tickers? Um, As a follow-up, understanding that, of course, markets price in inflation expectations what would cause inflation to remain elevated above expectations and therefore be beneficial to these tickers? Uh, certainly you can think about stress, global supply chains, and, and now I think as well investor expectations for perhaps higher go-forward uh, inflation sort of influencing behavior. Uh, can you curate a, create a case around continued elevated inflation?
0: Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And, you know, this is a question that I get all the time from advisors regarding, you know, how to compare ZRR and ZTIP, when to use each of the products, how to use them. So why don't we start with kind of the main differences? Uh, Well, both do protect against inflation. You know, ZRR is linked to Canadian CPI, where ZTIP is linked to U.S. CPI. So that's a very simple difference between the two products. Uh, While they do tend to trend in the same direction, given the linkages in the economies, you know, this does lead to some valuation and pricing differences between uh, inflation expectations between both countries. And then the second major difference, I would say, is uh, the term and the duration of the product. So ZRR, given the structure uh, of the Canadian RRB market, is long term uh, with a duration of uh, kind of in the mid teens. So you're looking at that long duration exposure for ZRR, while ZTIP focuses on the front end of the curve with a duration of about two and a half years. Uh, and, and so when looking at performance and performance expectations, duration is going to be a major factor when you're considering uh, each of these products. And then when you're looking at your returns uh, from an attribution perspective, duration can be a, a major differentiator uh, between ZRR's returns and ZTIP's returns. So, from a return expectation perspective, inflation priced into the market by basically comparing the inflation protected securities to the plain vanilla duration, uh, uh, duration neutral government bond. Uh, and the derivative of this is a break even level where an investor would be indifferent between owning inflation protected securities versus non inflation protected securities. So, as inflation break evens move, so do the inflation expectations that are priced into the market, so do your return expectations in the market. So, just simply, if inflation breakevens go up, that means the market is pricing in greater inflation expectations and that those expectations are rising. If breakevens are going down, uh, that means those uh, same expectations are falling. So if you are buying a inflation-protected security and break-evens are continually going down, that generally leads to some underperformance versus the uh, vanilla government bond. And if inflation expectations are going up while you hold it, that generally leads to some outperformance versus that vanilla bond. So, you know, year-to-date, what we have seen is that inflation expectations have bounced around quite significantly, uh, as we've seen you know, quite a few uh, monumental things happen in the market. We saw inflation expectations peak in March, and they started to come down a- and be tempered a little bit, given the Fed and the Bank of Canada has started to, you know, really aggressively hike and target inflation and uh, in-, in their interest rate policy. So we have seen inflation come down. So let's just take a quick uh, another deep dive into what the break evens actually look like right now. Uh, and I think it's easier to look at ZTIP and looking at kind of some more shorter term break evens. So if you look at one-year break-evens right now, uh, one to three-year basically range from 4.93% is, is the current one-year break-even, to 3.54%, which is the three-year. And then that two-year is kind of right in the middle, right around that 4%. So if those are the break-even numbers that you're looking at and saying, okay, if you believe that actual inflation will come in higher than that break-even number, so let's use the one-year as an example, if you think uh, actual inflation will come in higher than 4.93 percent. You know, given prints right now around 8 percent, I think that that's uh, a reasonable consideration. Uh, then protecting yourself with something like Z Tip would be prudent, and you should see outperformance versus that vanilla government bond. You know, I definitely think, as you mentioned, there's a case to be made that we can expect higher inflation for longer. Supply chains continue to be stalled and disrupted. Uh, you know, China continues to struggle with this no COVID zero COVID policy. You know, if that continues and that continues to put pressure on supply chains globally, you know, I think you you are going to see some inflationary uh, pressures uh, persist for longer than necessarily uh, maybe we initially thought. At the same time, I do think uh, central bank uh, aggressive um, interest rate hikes which they're targeting inflation, it will have an impact. Uh, it will start to uh, put a uh, damper on some of those uh, inflationary concerns. But I do think it takes longer than I think the, the the market always anticipates. We always think it's going to be a very quick fix where, you know, generally these hikes tend to take, you know, several months, if not if not close to a year to really start to have a, a meaningful effect on, on longer term inflation uh, Actual inflation, not just inflation expectations. So I do think that there is a case to be made that we we can expect higher inflation for longer. And that's why I do think that debt tip continues to look like a buy in the current market uh, as a way to protect against that higher inflation going into the next six to 12 months. And I think ZTIP still is an excellent complement, especially given its short duration positioning for your fixed income portfolio. It allows you to not only protect against inflation, but also reduce overall duration, which is, I think, something that a lot of investors are considering given uh, the rapid pace at which uh, we're seeing interest rates go up. Don't want to forget about ZRR here. You know, due to that long duration positioning, uh, it's a little bit more complicated um, of a a tool. You know, you are getting that mid teens kind of 15-year duration exposure. So it's not just a plug and play in some cases, like you said, tip in the current market. But I think a lot of investors are considering long duration exposure as potentially an equity market hedge, uh, maybe the equity market sell-off or, or potential volatility, a uh, potential recession coming forward. Uh, I think investors are considering that long-duration exposure uh, within their portfolios, and in that case, I do think that something like ZRR as a replacement to uh, long government exposure gives an excellent solution to investors. It gives you that two-fold approach of providing that uh, equity market hedge or that that. Uh, Ballast in your portfolio while also providing some inflation protection over the long term. So I think ZRR is, is something uh, would be definitely uh, I would consider uh, for investors who are looking to uh, maintain or add long duration exposure in the current uh, environment. I think ZRR would be an excellent way to to add just that additional inflation protection within the portfolio. I, I think both solutions. Although they do provide different exposures uh, and and return expectations, I I do think they're both uh, excellent ways to protect segments of your portfolio, whether it be on the short end or or more on a long exposure from inflation uh, over time.
2: Great. Thanks for that, Matt. And so certainly the key consideration between the two then is the longer duration of ZRR, which is definitely starting to pick up more advisor interest uh, for those that are at all concerned about any potential economic disruption or recession as we look forward, getting a little more protection from long bonds as well, depending on your view of, of course, how those long rates are moving. Next, advisors have asked for an update on ZBI, our new bank income ETF, asking how it's come out of the gates. Can you comment on both portfolio construction and
0: as well, how is it performing in these markets? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of advisor interest in this new uh, innovative solution. I think that I, I take um, several calls per week, as, as walking advisors through the product, um, you know, discussing you know the pros, the cons, uh, and really what you're getting from kind of the our uh, bank income ETF and ZBI. So you know it launched earlier this year. Uh, you know, while it was launched in February, you know that was definitely a challenging time for for markets as a whole. It basically was launched, you know, a week or so before the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. So, you know, I think it is it was a challenging start to the year, just given uh, what we've seen in markets with credit spreads widening. But that being said, I still think advisors are continually attracted to ZBI uh, because it, it is a very unique offering, uh, yielding over four point five percent with a duration of two and a half, both of those are very, very well suited for, for the current market, especially in a rising rate environment. You know, I think it's an excellent solution and advisors who are looking to reduce duration, but may still have yield and income needs that need to be met. So it's it's a very unique solution on the fixed income side to be able to get that, that type of premium yield, a very high quality product. You know, you're getting that bank exposure, which I think a lot of Canadian investors understand, they trust, they, they they understand what they're getting there, uh, while you're also reducing your duration. So that's something I, I think from an offering perspective and for a portfolio construction perspective, I think it's very additive uh, and innovative uh, to be to, from a portfolio construction uh, perspective to add that BI. Uh, from, uh, you, you asked about how the portfolio is constructed, Uh, So what it aims to do is provide investors with exposure to all non-equity segments of the bank's capital structure. So what does this include? It includes traditional bonds, preferred shares, both traditional and institutional, and LRCNs, which are limited recourse capital notes, which are institutional only and provide uh, a hybrid to uh, a bond and a preferred share and are expected to to, uh, replace. Uh, preferred bank issued preferred shares over time. So the portfolio is positioned with 60% of the portfolio uh, with a fixed income and bond allocation and 40% with what we consider a hybrid allocation, which would be the PREPS and LRCNs. So this allows investors to take advantage uh, of the yield and diversification benefits of hybrids, but while also taking kind of that taking some downside risk by by maintaining a core of 60% in fixed income. So you get that traditional bond downside with a little bit of the upside of of the prep and LRCN markets. So I think from that perspective and and, and a go forward uh, return expectation, I think it's very uniquely positioned and well positioned for the current environment. Again, I think the stable credit of Canadian banks I think is understandable for for investors, easy to, to explain, uh, so you're not really getting into the weeds of, of high yield issuers that are, uh, you know, potentially you know at risk of of going uh, bankrupt or defaulting. You're getting this the stability of the Canadian banking system while also getting that four and a half percent yield and short duration. So you know to try to find that combination of four and a half percent yield, two and a half year duration, you know, and another fixed income exposure. You're just not going to find it with a similar risk-return profile as ZBI. So that's why I think right now it's, we're getting tons and tons of questions from from the field, um, you know, asking how they can use it within their portfolio. So you know, I think going forward, I, I love the upside of ZBI. Uh, I think it's an excellent complement within the current uh, environment. So again, you're getting that yield premium, you're shortening your overall duration, and that hybrid exposure because of that those rate resets. Uh, preferred shares, you you should perform well in a rising rate environment. They should outperform. So you, you're allowing yourself during uh, an in, uh, interest rate uh, rising environment to have some part of your fixed income portfolio that should outperform and perform well. This per- should provide some downside protection within, uh, within your um, fixed income allocation, as well as some upside Uh, which I would say most are considering a very challenging environment for fixed income. So, you know, I I do think that ZBI is something that uh, should be considered. And when you are looking at either rebalancing your fixed income or a lot of investors who are looking to uh, looking for fixed income alternatives, given the challenging environment, I think ZBI is very uniquely positioned to, to provide help for a lot of advisors in that way.
1: Thanks for that update. If you're looking for essential information on BMO ETFs at a glance, check out the monthly momentum report, What's Trending? Consistent, comprehensive updates that feature performance numbers for all of BMO's ETFs, as well as easy-to-read charts and breakdowns by asset class and sector. Staying up to date has never been simpler. Access What's Trending anytime at BMOETFs.ca.
2: We have one more question that came in this week. Can you comment on the relative performance of U.S. banks in reference to ZDK, RECS offering? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's been a, certainly a bumpier ride for U.S. banks. We saw Canadian banks from mid-February to mid-May. They were down about 15%. Obviously, on the Canadian side, we've seen a confidence being restored. The earnings have come in have reassured investors that, you know, Canadian banks are pretty solid, 10 times earnings, 4% dividend yield. So that's kind of been the story. And that's the typical story with Canadian banks. And, you know, just to, to, to build on some of the points on, on, the, on the ZBI ETF, you know, very solid, um, obviously, institutions and globally recognized, you know, as being some of the best banks in the world. Uh, yeah, U.S. banks. Are known for you know bumpier a bumpier return path. Uh, they can offer more growth. They they also do offer more volatility. So whereas Canadian banks were down 15, and we saw U.S. banks down 25 over that same period, I think there's a few things weighing on them. One was a flattening yield curve. Um, so a lot of people with rising interest rates were looking for the banks to outperform. And, you know, often that is the case in rising interest rates, but but they, they will tend to outperform more with a steepening yield curve. And we've seen the yield curve flatten, which is a little bit unusual, actually, at this point in the hiking cycle. So that, that was one thing, you know, and then and then, you know, we mentioned, you know, recession and, and where the you know, there's been a little bit of rhetoric coming out of the US in terms of bracing, you know, for, for economic pain. You know, Jamie Dimon, maybe most notably. So there's been, there's been some concerns there, but, you know, I think with that sell-off of that magnitude, 25%, um, you know, it has created a better opportunity in U.S. banks. ZBG, you know, it's a great tool, equal weight U.S. banks to get overall exposure to the sector. You know, I also like the ZWK here. So that's the U.S. banks with the cover call overlay. That's about a 7% yield. And, you know, as we always talk about, you know, uh, an environment with higher volatility, uh, cover call strategy can be, you know, quite effective to take advantage of that volatility and turn it into income. So, you know, I like this at WK. Banks go a little bit sideways again. You can generate that that high income level, and then also participate when, you know, uh, when they turn around. So, um, yeah, a little bit bumpier. Typically for Canadians, you know, I like to see a little bit less weight in U.S. banks versus Canadian banks. Uh, but I think it's still a, it's a you know it's a good satellite position just recognizing that it's, it's a little more uh, little more exposed to uh, to macro uh, macro movements including rates and geopolitics and the credit cycle as well. so I think ZWK small weight in the portfolios you know if you want some income and growth, it's a very interesting tool and ZBK as well obviously you know, if you just want those outright equities. All right, thanks for that update, Chris. And certainly having had U.S. banks on the shelf for a while, we do recognize the the higher beta relative to the Canadian banks. And, and when it does come off low, certainly you do see uh, some rapid appreciation on the U.S. bank side. So the satellite worth looking at, but to your point, uh, maybe not as core as the Canadian banks in our portfolios. So with that, that's all the questions we have for this week. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. Thanks as well to both Matt and Chris, uh, some very insightful comments and answers and walking us through various areas of the market to give us things to think about as we go back and think about our own books and our own portfolios and how to adjust to these challenging times. So with that, I just want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day.
1: Thank you to Mark Rays, Matt Montemiro and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Real Return Bond Index ETF ticker ZRR, which may be a good option for investors looking for a long-duration hedge against equity markets with additional inflation protection. Our experts also discussed the BMO Canadian Bank Income Index ETF ticker ZBI, an excellent solution for shortening duration in a challenging fixed-income environment while still meeting clients' income and yield needs. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.